0: This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two fantastic human beings. I'm joined by Paul Jaceley. Hello. And Travis Smith. Hey, Mike. Thank you so much for joining me. Travis, you are a special guest on this episode today because you are the author of Superhero Ethics, 10 Comic, Comic Book Heroes, 10 Ways to Save the World. Which one do we need most now? Travis, could you tell us a little bit about yourself before we go into talking about your book and all the comics that you've been reading and everything else?
1: sure sure thing mike so um i am a professor of political theory at concordia university which is in the heart of downtown montreal uh i uh, published superhero ethics in 2018 um, as an attempt to try to combine my uh, interest in popular culture comic books specifically and uh, my my trade as it were in political philosophy and, uh, right. And, 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 so that's, uh, that, that's me. I'm by day, uh, by day, uh, you know, teaching Plato and Aristotle in the classroom and, and by night, uh, not fighting crime rather, but reading about fighting crime. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Planning to fight crime one day. I get it. I get it. Uh, well, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're really excited to chat with you, but I got to know, um, you know, we ask on most of the episodes, what, how have you been, how have comic books been? So I'm curious to know, how have you been, and what kind of comic books have you been reading?
1: Well, it's COVID times and COVID times are strange. I'm currently full-time trying to figure out how to teach my classes, uh, remotely on the internet. My university is one of those. It's decided to spend the upcoming term online only, except for, mm-hmm. you know, chemists who have to be in the lab or something, right. um, dancers who have to perform uh, physically in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of us are teaching remotely. So I'm trying to get up to speed. I'm not, uh, that technologically savvy myself. I realized I've turned into my dad. I remember when, my, when I was my son's age, at least once a week, my father would have to walk in the room and say, do you know how to record something on the VCR? Uh, <laughs> and, and I, and I fear I've become the 2020 equivalent of that technologically. So uh, I, I hope, I hope I'm coming through clearly on the, on the, uh, on the podcast right now. I needed my son's help to hook me up with a headset. Um, and you know covid times are weird uh and so uh you know I've streamed streamed too much uh media yeah um, yeah. yeah doing a lot of reading um as well and trying to get some exercise and that that's been you know march april may june july august all bleeding <laughs> uh, together <into each> <laughs> yeah uh, so that's me that's me now um uh what was what was the other thing you asked me mike or,
0: what kind of comics have you been reading? I mean, you said you've been um, doing a lot of reading, so I'm yeah. curious. I know we talked a little bit before the show over email of some of the things, uh, but I wanna, wanted to discuss them further with you here on the show.
1: Um, actually, this morning I read issues one and two of The Seeds from Dark Horse. Okay. Uh, I had been waiting for three and four to come out, and then I saw on the last issue of the Diamond previews that uh, they're going to not publish three and four and go straight to the trade. And I had been yeah. my copies of one and two because I series like this, I usually wait till I have all the issues and then read the whole thing in a sitting rather than one issue every month. I find if I just read the one issue a month now, I have a hard time remembering what happened last month. And I'd much more prefer to sit and read the the series all at once. And uh, so I went ahead and read one and two now to decide whether or not I wanted to put my money into the trade mm-hmm. uh, and, and pay twice for issues one and two, as it were. And I've decided that, yes, I will. That's fantastic. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was I'm right there with you. I mean I, I'm always, you know, I was, I was very skeptical when I heard that David Alha was doing a book and that he was going to put out a monthly book, even as a forestry <laughs> miniseries. Yeah. I was like, sure you will, David. I, I just want to root for you. And then of course there's like six, seven, eight, nine months of delay when it comes to it. It's like, right. yeah, this is to be expected. It's Hawkeye all over again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Travis, I don't know if you read the, the Hawkeye series really that like, he did with. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's kind of expected, but I'm glad that we're at least getting the collected edition. I'm very excited for that.
1: Yeah, I mean there are other books we're waiting for longer. I'm waiting for you know Black Monday Murders, and yeah, <laughs> we'll get those the someday. Dying. Hickman came through with Shield Volume Two, Five, and Six eventually. So right, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> those Hickman books are just absolutely cursed. I think I don't I don't know what it is. We get six, seven, eight issues in, and then suddenly they just disappear. Or in the case of the Dead and the Dying, I think it's they got two or three issues in, and then it just uh, fell off the radar. Yeah oh okay okay okay
1: yeah, yeah I mean... and then then that we got teased with the frontier and then we'll, who knows if i ever see that
0: yeah yeah <laughs> i mean with these these creators they're so i mean especially i think it's a lot of the times it's the artists just their their art is incredibly immaculate and it's so inspiring and then it's like it's the biggest letdown when they their books just don't come out, and you can't really fault them because you understand like it is tough to create these things, and we mm-hmm. we should applaud them for every issue that comes out. But yet, I, I still find myself sitting at home just like when is this when is this freaking comic book coming out? <laughs> you know, I get I get very internet angry.
1: Well, I got very excited in the last previews because they're uh, they, they're doing a Madam Satan one shot from Archie and the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina universe. And- nice. You oh, know, that's a book where you know, oh, you know, it was my top of the pile every month when it came out for the, yeah. however many issues it did eight, I think, you know, mm-hmm. six, five or six, and then later two more, and and then, uh, you know, I, I guess if it's a pitch for a Netflix series that makes that much more money, then fine. But it was, you know, that was a, that was a tremendous series. So I'm yeah. glad to see that they're returning now that the TV show has been canceled. They're returning to <laughs> its roots in Archie Comics. That's that's something mm-hmm. to look forward to.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, sure. And then let me see what else. I, I just grabbed, I've got my sort of recent red box. So I grabbed a, a bunch of things out of there since I know you and I said we talked about this. So I think the last issue of the second volume of Dark Ark from Aftershock came out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really enjoying that book. Really enjoying that book. Um, uh, Star Trek Year Five from IDW. Um, I really like, the, uh, they've got the voices of the characters just right. I mean, when you're writing or reading a licensed product, Mm-hmm. so much of it is whether or not you can hear the dialogue in the voice of the character from the screen or not right does it sound like them can you right understand? right and then i think that they've got the voices just uh just right in this series and so i'm enjoying that one
0: so i i'm actually not too familiar with that series is this like is this based off of the original like star trek cast or is it something else
1: yeah no it's kirk uh and crew um they did a year four couple of series recently as well, which I've not read. I jumped on with year five. Um, and so it's the idea that this is their mission before they came back to to, to, to finish their, their five-year uh, original mission. And, you know, they've got some of the characters from the animated series on the crew because that supposedly took place in year four, right, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, and they, they meet up with the Tholians again, and they rescue a Tholian. From a civil war situation, and uh, it's, 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 and and uh, Gary Seven returns. It's good. It's good.
0: Okay. Um, I mean, I I've never been someone that's gotten really into Star Trek, but I mean, comics are always the way to get me into pretty much any, <laughs> any fandom. So maybe this is how I start my 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 journey into the great beyond. Um, that is Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: comics yeah. are really uh, hit or miss, um, but when they get it right, and the the John Byrne, uh, picto comics uh the the fumettis were were actually really good too Hmm. um
0: that's the series where they like cropped pieces of the tv show and kind of put them in pages with different dialogue very well crafted i got a real kick out of every issue of that series
2: Interesting.
1: um yeah i mean he was able to get uh, the exact right body language and facial expressions taken from actual footage and 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 place them to tell a new story and it's really well done Mm -hmm. yeah my son i have a 13 year old son and he and i Worked our way through the, all three seasons of the original series in the past several months, largely during COVID, and so mm-hmm. uh, trying to raise my son, trying to raise my son right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> starting with the yeah, starting yeah. with the old stuff, and then eventually he can graduate into Deep Space Nine, and next generation, all that stuff, right?
1: right? <laughs> Deep Space Nine is the one that I'm looking forward to most. It's my favorite. Um, yeah, I'm in the minority position there, but uh, as a political theorist, I think it's it's my it's probably just because it's the one with the best most interesting political theory stuff going on in it. Other shows have maybe more anthropology or moral philosophy and Deep Space Nine's a lot of political theory, so I, I tick to it just for, you know, professional reasons. Right, of course. Um, yeah, it's right. research. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I keep writing. I keep. I keep intending to write a paper on Odo versus Quark, on the best regime in theory and the best regime in practice. But I haven't actually sat down to write it yet. The title in my mind is good enough for me. Well, right. all, all of us academics have a hundred imagined articles that we would have written if only we had, you know, had the time or the resolve to do so. Yes, um, yes I, I understand. Uh, Jeff Lemire and Dustin Gwen's Ascender. Uh, the art, and that's just so pretty. Um, I, I
0: I am I've always been someone that was so baffled by the idea of Nguyen going from something like Lil Gotham to doing Descender, right? And then I seeing his art on the page, like with Descender and then now Ascender is floors me. It just floors me at how wonderful he is able to make like the you know, the outer reaches of space so bright and yet so grim at the same time because it's art is so bright in a lot of ways um i've I've loved that book from the beginning it's fantastic i'm glad to hear you're liking it too
1: absolutely um i i I emailed you last night with my grief that uh to switch to dc comics my grief that young justice is being canceled Mm, um I've, I've just been, yeah, you know, the, 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 recovering, uh, there's a real sort of nineties feel I, f- I feel to it. You know, it's got, it's got the Bendis voice, right. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, yeah. the Bendis banter, uh, but you know, we're all used to that. And if you're, if whether you like it or don't like it, you can at least forgive it, uh, cause you know what its purpose is. And, um, and uh, the introduction of the lost characters combined with the introduction of several new characters that are in some ways familiar leg- new new legacy characters, which is totally in the spirit of the original Long- Young Justice to have new legacy characters. It would have been would have been anti Young Justice if it had only used the old legacy ca- characters. So having to introduce new ones as well is, is it consistent with the idea of the book, uh, the or the concept of the book. I've been enjoying that. Um, uh, Far Sector. Uh, yes yeah well campbell's art is just it's i mean it makes the book i'm I'm still on a wait and see with the story i'm constantly giving if giving giving it the benefit of the doubt i like the new character i'm not sure i like the world and the premise of the story as much as i like the character and i love the art
0: okay i mean i I, paul introduced that book to me on like a random twitter thread that i was just like somebody give me some big two books i don't know what's going on (laughs) Yeah. I, I, you know, I read a lot of indes- independent stuff. I've been reading, I haven't really kept up with a lot of the big two stuff outside of the X-Men. And so Paul recommended Far Sector and I devoured like the first seven issues or yeah. th- whatever six issues that were out when, they, when I When it,
1: it, it, it is one that I am reading month to month. And maybe if I went back and read the whole thing all at once, like I was saying, I tend to with independent oh, sure. series. Maybe, yeah. maybe that would be the better way to read it. Um, it's I, a dense book. Yeah, um, I had
2: that issue too because I, right? I read the first issue and then kind of let – three or four issues pile up and then read that as a chunk. And I think I enjoyed that a lot more. It's be, it is such a densely woven story and it's, there's a lot of political intrigue and, you know, racial tension in the story. It kind of helps to read it all in one go, I think. So that might be the way to do it.
1: Yeah. I I think I should revisit it because it's just so, so nice to look at. I I won't regret it even if just to check the art out again. Um, I've got uh, Avengers Fantastic Four Empire number four, Carol Danvers variant cover in front of me. I'm a bit of a mark for Carol Danvers, and so I tend to pick up variants wherever Carol appears. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I don't want to be negative about much, um, but remember when, you know, these kinds of Kree-Skrull crossovers would take place, you know, in two giant-sized annuals in the summer of, like, 1985? You'd get Fantastic Four annual, and... Part one and Avengers annual part two, and that would be like the whole story.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that how they used to do crossovers? I can't remember. I know
1: <laughs> Empire, I think, would have been great as a two giant sized issue story and not yeah. as 36 issues or four planned 48. It just, it's, 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 uh, it suffers from the, uh, the, the dragged out crossover.
2: Okay. Right. Even
1: if they're rushing it almost on a weekly basis post COVID. I mean, it's, it, it's not objectionable. It's just it doesn't seem to... I mean, it's not like the... What was the... Uh, the Infinity Wars one also ran many too, too many... Right. Issues.
0: Yeah, I think that was the one where Hickman ran, like, through New Avengers... No, Avengers, no. I think
1: Infinity. it was one after that. Oh,
0: okay. One after that. Oh, that, yeah, that's the one after that. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, I think Infinity was the last major event that I bought all in for, and after that I was so burned out, I just said... <sighs> Unless it's X Men, don't count me in.
1: <laughs> well, I'm looking at my X books right now, and my three favorites from the last month were uh, Hellions number two. I'm getting, mm-hmm. I'm getting that. Uh, Wolverine number three, which I enjoyed as well. Um, I can never see uh, uh, Quentin Choir die uh, en- enough times. The more <laughs> times, the <to> better. <laughs> Um, and X Factor number 1, which I just totally love. As a, as a Canadian, uh, growing up in the 80s, we were all legally obliged to love Alpha Flight.
0: Right, right, <laughs> right, right. Understandable. Uh,
1: and so uh, North Star and Aurora are among the characters that are dear to my heart. Ah, uh, I see, I see. And, and, you know, North Star is one of the best lovable jerks in uh, the Marvel Universe
0: absolutely and, <laughs> absolutely and they
1: just it's just such a fantastic job of uh assembling and i mean it, it, again it's in the spirit of x factor that some of these characters have x factor you know uh, cred uh like polaris and others are are, are new to x factor but they're thrown together to serve the purposes of the investigations sort of mm-hmm. uh, storyline so i i thought that was great and i think it really fits in with the hickman x verse uh, to have a team like this, it's like you know all these sort of teams are coordinated to sort of hit all the archetypes of all the X books, right? right. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, every kind of X book has its corner of the Hickman verse here, the X verse that they've got going on now. Uh, and and you know even when they're bright, you know there's something very dark going on under the surface in all of these books. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, like his Avengers run, it's going to run some hundred something issues before we find out how dark it really is, but. <laughs>
2: So, Hopefully, a, so, if Marvel lets him lets him do it. But go, yeah. sorry, go ahead, Paul. I was that that might be my question for you. I um am a very very casual X Men fan. I've not read very much, but I did read House of X Powers of Ten, and I'm curious. Maybe that was a book that really did seem, at least in my reading, to explore some political theory issues. What was your response to that book? Did you find it uh, as engaging as maybe uh, you would hoped?
1: Um my memory is not going to be good at distinguishing what happened in power of oh, sure. Japan and house yeah, of yeah. at the same time. Sure.
0: Right. Um, I mean, it's one big story. It should have just yeah. been one big book. If we're being honest here, folks. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. well, the, I mean, that's what the, I see that there's this swords of X miniseries coming out. And i and I was thinking, isn't already every X book, the largest crossover you know, event comic ever <laughs> right, yeah. right now already. I mean, now they're going to have like a mini within the, 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 the mega, um, uh yeah i mean the, the look the uh the, there's a lot of uh, interesting and relevant politics stuff going on in all the x books the yeah. uh, uh the uh, decision to uh, embrace tribalism uh mm-hmm. in an extreme form we've seen it before in the past uh but you know even uh i, I think this is the most extreme version of it all the technological issues with resurrection uh right. is also uh we're thinking about um the, uh, the, uh, the, um, what I want, uh, you know, allowing the villain, the villains to have a place and the, 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 the mm-hmm. ethics of forgiveness or, uh, um, you have, you, you have, a, there's a sort of giving up on humanity and the attempts to, uh, uh, forge lasting, peaceful, uh, and integrated relationships with, uh, homo sapiens at the, yeah. and, and an embrace of homo superior as a as a nation and tribe of its own apart. Uh, at the same time, you've got an ethic of forgiveness in which uh, all the villains stood having you know, sinister and apocalypse around the same table and and uh, and, and so forth uh, and, and being treated as if uh, they're all in it together. Uh, is 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 uh, a fascinating sort of uh, flip sides of each other. Those two, those two things. I'm not, we'll see where it goes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, the thing that that continues to shock me is how well everyone seems to be getting along for the most part, right? I mean, I know we've had books, and this is just me just going on my X Men, you know, soapbox here, but like we've had books where clearly, you know, some of the more villainous characters are kind of doing villainy things, but at the end of the day, they all kind of play within the same like playground they're not trying to break out or do anything that would be that would go against like this overall umbrella rule that seems that everyone has seemed to accept as being the way to to move forward, especially with the spoilers um, revelation at the end of of House of X and powers of 10 that that all of this is ultimately going to fail. Mm-hmm. Right, like I, I like that. Ex- like I, I mean, and no one knows that except for Moira and Professor X, and I think Magneto, and I think those are the only people that really know what the long term, you know, scenario looks like. But until then, it's like we're trying to literally make the best of 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 the world that we possibly can, and by, the only way to do that is to separate ourselves and make sure that we pull everyone into the fold, and that means everyone because we have to stick together no matter who we are, and it's it, like you said, it's creating this tribalism. But the fact that the stories we haven't seen any stories yet that uh, feature anybody really trying to break from that mold is pretty interesting. I know that there are people that have resisted coming to the to the island of Krakoa, and there are people that have you know decided that they don't like it, but they have to stay. Or if you're in Kitty Pride situation where you don't know whether you're accepted or you're not because of this whole issue with the Krakoa gates, um, we we've seen some of that, but I think. On the whole, we haven't seen any true dissonance, and I'm, I'm sure that's coming in the you know next year or two because eventually we need to have that story in this this epic that uh, or the epoch of the X Men timeline, I guess, because you know this is just how it's going to be for a little bit, and then we're going to move past it, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I just find it really interesting to to see like how well it's all stuck together and how well it works um given that i feel like it goes against the entire idea of the x men and yet it feels like the natural progression for them if they said you know we've we're done trying to make this work going off on our own and we have to exist on this planet so we're going to create our own area of land because none of nothing that's out there is available to us safely um, mm-hmm. I, I find that to be extremely interesting and I'm not, I'm not a, you know a political theorist I'm just some guy who reads comic books and builds web pages for a living but <laughs> I, I find like the dilemma to be really really interesting
1: yeah we already had Deadpool and issue, crossover issue of his book call them fascists something like 12 times in one issue oh good uh, <laughs> okay. we had, I haven't read that one yeah, was six, I think, was Reed Richards of course the the crossover with the FF, the scene at the end. Did you see that one? Um, you're saying we're going to air this in a while. So spoiler alert, but it's been out for a few, a few months, but I, I, I haven't
0: read the end of it, but you can go ahead and spoil it. Cause um, I wasn't really reading that book too closely. Yeah,
1: so professor X wipes from Reed's mind, the knowledge of how to, how to undo their, uh, uh, undo everything and um and he oh. and, and he leaves in reed's mind knowledge that it has been erased which he says is different than how we used to do things in the illuminati yeah. In the illuminati we just erased things and people didn't know it had been erased but i want you reed richards to know that i've done this to you so every time you try to think of how to uh solve this again you won't be able to and you'll know it's my fault that you can't so there's a real sort of that. You know, we don't know how dark this Professor X is going to get. We already know that Illuminati, Hickman's Illuminati, Professor X is already dark. I mean, oh, yeah. Th- th- there's a great scene where he, you know, in one of the early meetings of the Illuminati where Professor X makes his, well, I would, I would never read anybody's minds without their permission. And like Tony Stark <laughs> and Andrew Richards are like, come on, who are you trying to fool? Namor is like just scoffing. Yeah. Uh, of <laughs>
0: I mean, that's what made that book so funny is like to see all of these powers come together and they're all are calling each other on their bullshit. Like I, I found that to be fantastic. I, I love that book to death. Um, But yeah, I guess, uh, was there any
1: other comics you wanted to jump into? I was just going to say that, that perspective you had on, uh, we know how it's going to turn out, but this is, we're trying to muddle through the best we can. I just, just in the last uh, few days, I finally got through the HBO Watchmen series and it mm-hmm. has a sort of similar feel to the end of that there as well right mm-hmm. even throughout the entire thing um so that 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 perspective is is present in that tv series as well but this is a this is a comic books podcast we won't... yeah
0: i mean in, in regards to the that tv show i mean we haven't we have yet to have i think a deep conversation about that on the show um i, I honestly want to like dedicate almost like a whole where we back-to-back like read the comic watch the tv show which is a huge endeavor for anyone involved which is why it would probably be a special episode that's probably just me and nick and paul um mm-hmm. the only people i could probably convince to do that um <laughs> and where we talk about it but i i really really enjoyed that tv show paul did you get a chance to watch that not yet not yet but i will make okay time. okay then i yeah all right then i won't i won't go into any of the details because I, I i think that it's a fascinating look and approach to finding uh, like a an actual sequel to the original Watchmen story, um, and keeping a lot of the themes and ideas in place without relying too much on the comic itself. Like I, it's mm-hmm. it's such an interesting take, and I and I say this because I listened to like the the officially sanctioned HBO podcast that they did, um, which was actually really interesting because I think Damon Lindelhoff is is very blunt and honest about his work, um, which it was. So it was really interesting to hear the you know showrunner talk so raw about this tv series i haven't, um, I haven't and,
1: heard that i'm i'm usually of the opinion that real artists should never tell you honestly anything about what they really mean <laughs> or intended right. or, yeah, and yeah. when they do you you should assume that they're lying uh, if they are sure, sure, a real sure. artist i mean like the uh, creator of uh why well, can't i think of it, of breaking bad uh
0: oh uh uh, he, my, his name is escaping my head, but all I can <laughs> I I know who you're talking about. Yes,
1: Vince.
0: Vince. Uh, oh man! Oh, now you're gonna yeah. you're killing me with this.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Apologies, everybody. Um, everyone's <laughs> everyone listening is yelling at us. Um, Vince
0: Gilligan. That's his <laughs> no, name. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, he would go and give interviews about what the show means, and he, and, and they were all lies. It was great listening sure. to him just constantly, you know, making. A, and again, we go back listen to like you know Paul McCartney and John Lennon talk about what their songs are about. They're always lying um sure sure and and so uh, you know i'm always disappointed when artists you know actually tell you what they really meant Uh, (laughs) well i
0: i would say that i don't think that the podcast series was about explaining the show i think it was it was more about like explaining why they made the i guess maybe kind of explains it but it's like why they made the choices they did how they tried to intertwine the themes of the show with the comic with while trying to like show actual homage to the original work Mm -hmm. um and it's unfortunate because i think like Maybe if Alan Moore consumed anything regarding Watchmen, he might actually enjoy this TV show. But then again, he probably <laughs> also thinks Watchmen should have only existed as its own thing. Yeah. And I know that's a whole other debate we could get into. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was a really good show. Paul, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it when you get a okay. chance to see yeah. it. Obviously, no pressure. A- okay.
1: Aesthetically, it's very well put together. And, it, and the characters and the depictions are consistent, I think, with mm-hmm. the, source course, material. Um, if anybody watched the conclusion of the series and thought that that was a happy ending, they clearly don't understand Watchmen.
0: (laughs) Yes, that is, that is absolutely, absolutely true. Um, but I guess, um... You know, we, we, we also came here today to talk about, I mean, I'd love to continue talking about books about you, but you know, we want to talk about a little bit about superhero ethics, the book that you put out in 2018. Um, I, I guess my first question is like, you said, you know, you wanted to try to meld like your, your two lives and interests into one thing. Um, did you originally sit down to say like, I'm going to write a book about superheroes or was there more thought of it than, (laughs) than just that simple idea that came out of my brain?
1: Actually it had, you know, it, it had a more humbler origins. I had seen an article uh, in a magazine praising, uh, the Batman, especially the Batman as depicted in the Nolan trilogy, uh, and tried to claim that Batman was the hero that we needed today. That Batman was the hero that okay. we needed today. Okay. Um, and I, I, I wrote a sort of, uh, article back, uh, you know, talking about why why we ought to prefer uh, Spider Man, why we ought to prefer Peter Parker to Bruce Wayne as the okay. hero that we need today, and so I wrote a sort of this versus Spider Man versus Batman from a sort of ethical political perspective. Uh, and, uh, I, I, it led to a, a book of a series of chapters of this versus kind where I pick two heroes I have something in common, but still represent something different and ask, you know, which of these is the one that, you know, represents from the perspective of classical ethics, the kind of character, the kind of personality, the kind of attitude toward the world, the kind of action we might take to make our relationships with each other better, which is the one that, you know, under our current circumstances, we might, uh, uh, we might praise more or wish we could emulate better than we do, uh, and so that's that was the origin of it. It was start, and it was you know in the original, of course, you know the original article had a sort of and that's all I have to say on the matter kind of conclusion.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Enough said. But, you got the classic stand sign off. I get you.
1: Yeah, I should I should have I should have listened to you know Doctor Manhattan telling me that nothing ever ends, because um. <laughs> then a, a book. Yes, I got yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah, so I was really fortunate to get a chance to write a book. It took several, uh, it took a while. It took several rewrites. I usually write strictly academic stuff, and and I, one should, I don't think one should write about comic books and superhero movies in a strictly academic voice. It's just kind of. A, Dissonance if you, you do that, I mean, people do it and there's great right. scholarship out there on it. Don't put doing It's not what I wanted to do for a book that I had intended for a, a more a broader audience. I was writing, trying to write a mm-hmm. book for broader audience and not just comic scholars. I mean, comic scholarship right. is a great interdisciplinary field uh, uh, as well. Uh, and I love attending those uh, conferences as a professional a uh, you know, political theorist, but as uh, someone who wanted to mainly talk about comic books to an audience of people who you know, love the movies. My, my, my main target were not necessarily us hardcore comic book fans only. I actually well, needed to avoid that as well. I needed to write something that would be accessible and familiar to people who mainly just know the characters from the movies. So my wife, who has never read a single comic book and to this day continues to insist she wouldn't know which order to read the bubbles in.
2: Um, okay. Uh,
1: <laughs> I right. uh, Would still have to proofread and understand every chapter because I've, you know, she's she's sat through all of the movies with me. I was I would say forced to, except for that would be a lie because she's always happy to watch uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> well, that's what I thought was interesting about the book because I think, um, you know, my interest in superheroes always has been the idea of them being sort of paragons or uh, examples that we can look to as, you know. Uh, the type of people we should be as ethical examples but you've taken that idea and kind of put it into the the common comic book nerd discussion of who would win in a fight so you're kind of bridging both of those gaps you know
1: yeah I mean there's a right there's a deliberate the the framing mechanism of the book to give it that sort of uh, that versus uh, yeah. that uh, quality was certainly a deliberate sort of nod to the way in which we as comic book readers are used to gathering around the stores on Wednesdays non COVID times and having these kinds of arguments over who's better, whether it's which character or which art or artist or creator. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to sort of appeal to that, that familiar part of what makes being a comic book reader fun uh, that we have these kinds of arguments.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it was interesting, you know, the way that you paired things up. I, I was curious, you know, just just going through the chapters really quick, you know, um, there's, uh, and again, everyone should go out and read and buy this book. It's 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 a fun read. It's it's a really interesting look at prop characters that I think, like I knew I know a lot of, and it was interesting to see them pitted up against each other um, and compared in a way that wasn't just a Capcom, you know, video game where you just mash the buttons together until you beat your opponent, <laughs> right. um, but actually to hear them like discussed back and forth. I mean, we've. We have things like the best, the beastly beacons of imagination, responsibility in the city, ideals in action, gods in a long box. And I feel I was as curious to know, you know, were there other chapters that were potentially considered for this book? Um, because, you know, we, I think you cover like a, a good swath of things. But as someone that doesn't, you know, read a lot of, you know, ethical mm-hmm. theory or, you know, political uh, theory and, any, and everything like that. Um, were there other like pillars of, of that type of discussion that you considered for the book?
1: Right. Yeah. When I, I, set, I set the table of contents, you can sort of date when I set the table of contents by which movies had come out. Um,
0: okay. Okay. I, I didn't even notice that. Yeah.
1: So I had to sort of at a certain point decide. Okay. And, and, and part of it was deciding characters where I was sure I could isolate some ethical core that would be distinct from the other characters in the book, which isn't always easy. I mean, Green Arrow right. was you know huge on the TV, but I, I was having a hard time figuring out exactly what was distinctive about Green Arrow that didn't just too closely over, uh, overlap or align with other characters. Right. Right. And the Flash was getting big on TV at the time as well, and I was I, I, I've since you know made an Argument about what he, what the Flash means about mortality, uh, because you know sp- speed is is distance over time, and it's the denominator that matters the most. Mm-hmm. and So really, it's a character that has to deal with our struggle with time, um, and and our struggle with time has to do with our mortality. Um, and, and so there were other characters I would have uh, and could have gone into. I mean, if I had written the book that was just for, you know, the audience of uh, I Read Comic Books, it would have been full of obscurities and the kinds of characters that only we know and everybody else. So, I mean, it's still right. the case that a lot of these characters that are popular now weren't known to the general population even 20 years ago or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. but Sure. I mean I, I is there any is there any particular characters that uh you have in mind that I that I should have covered or that you would would have uh liked to have seen chapters on that I should consider?
0: Well the thing I mean if we're if we're talking about a sequel here, I got plenty of ideas. Um, but <laughs> No, I mean I, I was I was curious because I mean like there were uh, like I think you know we've we've got the Hulk and the Wolverine and a lot of the big staples in, in films and stuff, though who who really talks about the Green Lantern movie? Mm-hmm. Um but that being said, you know it was interesting. I mean, it could have uh, been the interesting best to thing see. about
1: the Green Lantern for movie for me is it gave me an excuse to write a chapter on Green Lantern. <laughs> yeah,
0: perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm waiting for that Far Sector adaptation. That's probably you know maybe in the works somewhere at Warner Brothers. But um, even then, the you know, it part. would have been interesting to see like a comparison of you know you talked about Green Arrow. Um, it would have been interesting to see like the Green Arrow television style character compared to someone like the Punisher because I feel like for some reason the cw has treated that character like that but very recently we just read like an 80s uh, era green green arrow comic for an episode that we did about like read a book about you know something that came out the the month you were born um and as someone born in the 80s it was like a, it was a perfect little book that came out in an era where it felt like they were trying to make green arrow this kind of cool espionage guy in the 80s with bright t-shirts and you know everyone's got thick mustaches and big glasses and stuff um and for some reason everything takes place in Miami i don't know why um, but Maybe that's just me conflating the game Grand Theft Auto Vice City uh, <laughs> for some reason in my head. But uh, that being said, it could have been interesting, you know, to see like a comparison there. I mean, I was thinking maybe Wonder Woman could have a spot there. And I think this is how you could you could push in to say, oh, let's talk about Miss Marvel. But I don't know if that actually if those two characters could come up side by side. Um, well, parent, but yeah, I mean, like, of course, there's Wonder there's woman plenty woman. of staples you could have hit on that. Um, mm-hmm. I understand there's only so many pages you can write in a book. Sorry.
1: No, no. Yeah. The, the pairing I would have done with Wonder Woman would have been with Black Panther. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. okay. Compa- comparing the way in which they are both royalty from utopias, uh, who had to prove that they deserved their station and their powers, and then had to uh, put their—and and, and not only proved it once in some sort of test— uh, but, you know, live an ongoing test to demonstrate their worthiness of their great station and powers by continuing to use them for the benefit of uh, the less advantaged. And uh,
0: gotcha.
1: And so they, the, the nature of the chapters in my book is always to always find two, two characters that have something essentially similar to make the comparison make sense, why I'm comparing those two, uh, mm-hmm. but also try to find, figure out what is the distinctive difference between them and um, And I still haven't settled on what the distinctive difference is uh, between them. I've got that commonality, but I I haven't made a decision yet regarding the distinctive difference. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, these kinds of qualities are, you know, again... You know, a lot of the qualities of superheroes, you know, are found in, you know, many dozens of superheroes, you can say, share sure. some quality yeah. in common. But you, the, the trick of my book was to try to figure out what was the thing that was the most distinctive core concept or problem or dilemma or quality that they represent or address uh, and, um, and and try to find some character that I could contrast them against. It was similar, but not the same. So. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so in, if I can pitch a, a character I mean, then... I'm sorry,
1: the, I guess okay. the, the main difference in part is that um, you know, Black Panther still principally remains devoted to Wakanda. Right, uh, right. And <clears throat> Wonder Woman principally remains committed to representing Themyscira in man's world. Yeah, right. Um, and so uh, w- where their priority is, is their priority um, uh, their own... Or others, uh, is I think probably the essential difference between not that Black Panther doesn't care about the rest of the world because obviously he goes and saves the world, mm-hmm. uh, but his, I think his his principal priority is Wakanda, uh, where a lot of Wonder Woman stories have to do about the fact that you know she has left you know, Paradise Island behind, right, and, and not allowed to go back for a lot of the classic stories, right, mm-hmm. um, and has mm-hmm. to represent it uh, abroad indefinitely, um, and. Uh, and I guess another difference is no, no, I don't want to go. In, I, 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 they've made they've made the Amazons more vulnerable over the years. I think for a long time the DC Amazon seemed absolutely untouchable, uh, and that that changed in the I guess probably in the '90s especially. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the Wakandans yeah. are always at danger of being discovered and plundered.
2: Right. right. Yeah. Huh.
1: But I. Had, yeah. No, I mean, I. Go ahead.
0: I mean, I'm not necessarily trying to like say we needed more chapters of this book because I, I mean, <laughs> I I would love more chapters of this book. I mean, because I like some of the things I really liked. I know, Paul, you were you were had another question, but I mean, I like the, the comparison between characters across, you know, DC and Marvel, but mm-hmm. also within Marvel, like the Captain America, Mr. Fantastic um, chapter was probably uh, my favorite to read because of the, the idea of ideals um, was was fantastic i mean for lack of a better word um just just to just see the comparison because in my mind i'm like oh no these guys are kind of the same but the the argument that you made between the two of them um was incredible so I mean like yeah. I, I was just curious to know if there were more things that you wanted to talk about in this book and maybe just said okay I want to I want to keep it to, to these five chapters or if there was maybe more you wanted to go off of yeah um, but yeah I mean I would read more about you know Black <laughs> Panther and Wonder Woman and stuff if you've got so, more ideas so.
1: yeah no I, I mean a lot of the characters I drop names throughout to sort of nod to those of us who know more that I you know if I wasn't you know, keeping myself to uh, the the most well known, most recently featured in in blockbuster films. Um, you know, I, I acknowledge. I mean, I, I included a discussion of Superman, but I think Supergirl is a more interesting character from an ethical perspective. Yeah, um, right. I, I talked a, ch- a chapter about Mister Fantastic because using him to represent the philosophical or the contemplative life to compare him against Captain America as the representative of the active life or the citizen. Uh, I, I do mention that maybe, you know, as, 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 as much, I I work really hard to make Mr. Fantastic seem as good as I can. I try. (laughs) I mean, he is, he's a, you know, he's an unlikable fellow. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I tried to show, I mean, I, one of the things that when I realized that his very, you know, superpowers represent the philosophical life. So the powers, it's not just he's a scientist and is always thinking really hard about the truth of the multiverse, um, but his powers, right, the, 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 the liquidity of his body is a metaphor for the philosophical mind um, mm-hmm. that has to be able to, to take new shapes uh, and go in places that otherwise it might not have been able to penetrate and so forth. I was really, you know, happy to see that This is by happy action. I don't know if, you know, Lee and Kirby thought that when they created the character, but it works out really well that he's got this m- a malleable body to represent the life of the person who must yeah. have the most malleable of minds to be, uh, the thinker that they are. Um, but I, but I do make a little mention about the fact that I think, you know, Sue Storm or Invisible Woman is a better hero than Mr. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, she yep. has like the evilest of all the powers invisibility. going back to Plato's Republic and visibility is, you know, the power that bad guys want and will turn good guys into bad guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so the fact that, you know, she is uh, as extraordinary as a hero as she is, she's probably the one who's probably the most heroic of all of them um, in a certain sense, um, uh, just in her, in her personality uh but just the the her uh her power uh, and her use of her powers mark her out to me as more impressive than than a lot of other superheroes so sure i could have i could have addressed a number of other characters that i didn't and uh um what has been preoccupying my mind lately uh, as well is I'm, the book ends with some reflections on supervillains and what makes somebody villainous yeah. uh mm-hmm. and uh, i've had a number of people ask me why don't you write you know supervillain ethics next and compare
0: Oh no! Yeah,
1: Yeah. I I mean, I I teach in a political science department, right? So every, you know, one of the kinds of you know research areas that colleagues of mine might, you know, uh, investigate and publish on is what they call global governance. Um, And uh, I'm, of course, as a comic book reader, the phrase global governance always sounds to me like something that only supervillains want.
2: Right. So if our if our
1: department posts an ad. Saying that we you know want to interview people for a position in global governance i I only want to interview the Red Skull and dr <laughs> <laughs> Doom and yeah yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well
2: th- that's interesting because i I believe at one point in the introduction to the book you're going through your sort of your criteria you're using to pick characters, and i I believe you make a mention to Booster Gold would be a character that you know if if, if you had your druthers, you would write about. And like, that's a character where if you want to talk about redemption, you know, hit someone who's uh, selfishly motivated that ends up becoming a hero. That's a really rich text. And that's a character that I don't think a lot of people know. So I I like the idea of the complexity of even minor characters, you know, to explore that you might not think there's a lot there. But when you start digging, there's a ton there, you know.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So I guess to follow up on that point. One of the benefits of picking well-known characters is that you have a lot of different interpretations. Is that how did you, you know, choose which version of Superman you found the most interesting, or, or you know, do you try to balance that out—the the Silver Age version versus the Christopher Reeve version versus the Zack Snyder interpretation? Is there an attempt to balance those different interpretations of the character to make a make it seem more whole, or do you kind of acknowledge that they're they they are open to interpretation that way?
1: Yeah, that is one of the big challenges. I mean, right? If I had decided to focus on Squirrel Girl, uh, I would have to, you know, ask, you know, is the original depiction of her and what was a Marvel superheroes uh, the, the quarterlies right? Mm-hmm. The, you know the, the silly uh, little piece, throwaway piece, uh, is that the same as Ryan North's character, and is Ryan North's character the same one that isn't the young adult novels? We found out yes, Ryan North put footnotes to the young adult novels in the comics. To yeah. let you know that they're in continuity, um, but uh, um, right uh, with with the, the ones that have been around for decades and decades in so many different media, and there is there is this question of you know are are, are are they compatible, right? Are they? Do they represent the same thing? So there was, I admit, for the sake of coming up with the kinds of arguments I needed to make for the sake of the book, where I was trying to isolate, as I say, some ethical core to each character, some simplification had to be done, right? right? Um right. I still wanted to, if you read my Batman chapter, there's nods to many different iterations of Batman, including mm-hmm. 60s TV. I made sure to try to, you know, not just do Frank Miller. Right, um,
2: yeah. But, right. Uh,
1: and and Batman was actually not a character I loved growing up. I was always sort of bat averse. Uh, and so uh, reading reading doing my research for the book required me to go and read a bunch of Batman stuff, uh, especially stuff from the 70s that I now love uh, that I had never read before. Um, and my son and I watched every episode of the animated series together, which I had watched off and on while it was on when I was in college, but never sort of you know, uh, you know in a sort of completest fashion Mm -hmm. um and discovered just how that might be the best version of batman out there as far as i'm concerned at least the most complete one um but the trick was uh, i mean one thing i sort of uh kept in mind was we comic book fans know when there's a version of a character that betrays the character right we know when something is just i mean we remember the arguments over uh the one day later spider-man and the, the the deal with mephisto and the question of whether or not that was consistent with peter parker um we and, and and then think about all the movies pre-blade pre-x-men even in the early 2000s where we were like that's not really catwoman I mean. that's not mm-hmm. really right, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right um so the fact that we we can kind of come to a general consensus regarding that, although, you know, comic book fans are essences that we argue and disagree with each other and <laughs> telling each other that we're wrong is kind of our, our pastime. Um, we, we know that that's the case, that we can say certain versions of characters are true or not true to the character, even with a wide degree of variation. In fact, I mean, that were the into the Spider-Verse Spider-Man movie and all of the Spider-Verse comic books introduce us to so many variations on Peter Parker. Um, and, uh, you know, the fact that when we get sort of a dark version or an inverted character version or, uh, some what if from the dark multiverse or whatever, um, you know, in order for it to be a compelling inverted dark version of the character, it has to be a play on the thing that we know is the essence of that. uh uh-huh. So I mean, the most recent. So we got this, you know, Doctor Manhattan Batman mashup in the one shot recently. I don't know if you saw that, you know. And -hmm. and as as fanfic as that seems, it's still in order to, you know, to to have any sort of uh, appeal to it, it has to sort of be yeah. What what if you know what if you actually mash these up? It still has to be the motivations of Bruce Wayne uh, given the powers of Doctor Manhattan, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I took refuge in. Uh, the sense that there is a core to the characters, even if it meant that I was constantly going to have to uh, uh, make some choices regarding which things to feature in order to tell a coherent story. And again, I, I, I throw that out there to the readers as kind of the things that we as comic book readers and fans do when we challenge each other to say, have I got this right? To tell me what to yeah. tell, tell me your version is better than mine. Right? <laughs> uh-huh. Prove me wrong.
0: I mean I'm excited for all the people to read this book and then write furious medium posts about um why they believe that you were right or wrong. So um all you IRCB listeners out there get to writing. We want to hear what you have to say.
1: I'm uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they'll tell me all the ways I'm wrong. That's what we do. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even if even if they are wrong themselves. Um <laughs>
2: Uh, so I yeah, mean, you, we,
1: we, we comic book readers have tougher, thicker skin than we might give, be given <laughs> credit for by sure, non-fans. They don't realize yeah. just how how many years to decades of weathering insults and uh, offense and attack on our you know most sort of deepest felt convictions and, and and partialities that we endure on a regular basis, even among those of us who ought to be our natural friends. <laughs> yeah
0: i, I mean <laughs> it's it's funny you say that because i don't know if i completely disagree with that as someone who spent a lot of time on on reddit and as a moderator but you know what i i, I appreciate the optimistic viewpoint because i think that that's <laughs> ultimately true because when you go to a convention i don't think people are necessarily getting in fist fights over which interpretation of spider-man is the best one i think we all kind of understand that in a way, we all love Spider Man. I mean, as an example, if if a bunch of Spider Man fans get together, they're all there for Spider Man, even if they have their own favorite interpretation. If it's Tobey Maguire, or if it's Brand New Day Spider Man, or if it's Ultimate Spider Man, I mean, mm-hmm. we're all here for Spider Man, right?
2: Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that speaks to again the the strength of these characters and why this type of interpretation works. There, they are reflections, in a way, of values and ideas that society uh, thinks are important and have changed over time. So I think they are really rich for philosophical interpretation in that way. So obviously the book I think is aimed at people that are familiar with superheroes, but uh, how would you maybe – pitch it to people that haven't read a lot of ethical philosophy or aren't – do you read a lot of academic writing? Do you think it's approachable to those types of people as well?
1: I tried really hard to make it readable to uh, non-academic types.
2: Mm -hmm. I
1: teach – and part of it is because I teach uh, classical ethics. I teach early modern political thought. I teach Mm – these kinds of things, you know, in the classroom, that's my day job, as I said. And yeah. um, I'm constantly in need of examples to use to illustrate the material I'm teaching. Uh, right. And, and you know, when I'm reading old books that, you know, make old arguments that a lot of people in the classroom today might be inclined to regard as obsolete, no longer relevant, uh, why am I, why do I have to read this, Mm-hmm. <laughs> speak to me today at all kinds of attitudes I'm, I'm constantly in need of trying to render the ideas and the arguments more familiar to a contemporary audience and my audience tends to be you know 18 to 23 year olds right. and and so making sure i stay on top of popular culture in order to come up with examples on a regular basis for the sake of illustrating not only the meaning but the relevance of the ideas and the arguments that i'm Dealing with in the classroom uh, means that uh, I have to, you know, and as a a, a lifelong comic book nerd, I'm so grateful that the the Marvel and the DC universes and various television series have made these characters that it used to be the case that only those of us who went to comic book stores knew anything about. Now everybody knows who they are. Yeah, right. Everybody wants to be like them in various ways, or one or the other. That um, I can now make references to Tony Stark, and everybody knows who I'm talking about. Where even just 20 years ago, people would have looked, you know, two people in the room would have got it and nudged each other, and the rest of them would have like, <laughs> not know. And so I have to stay on top of popular music. I try to stay on top of uh, sports and a number of things so that I can come up with uh, examples that, uh, you know, that uh, appeal to different uh, students in the room. Um, and you know, make sure I, I don't make too many references to Star Wars or something like that, right? But, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, um, most of them tend to be indirect now. To see if anybody recognizes the line, of, the obscure line of dialogue, rather than anything else. <laughs> Yeah, look, look yeah, for the just... per- look for the person whose eyes light up because they know what the reference was. Right. Um, or this, but but do the same thing with you know, my wife is a musician, and so the occasional reference to classic musical theater will always get somebody in the back of the room to go, "Wait a second, you know that musical," um, <laughs> and and so. That experience of, you know, 15 something years in the classroom uh, helped me figure out how to try to write a book that could speak to people who are, you know, just being introduced to the history of political philosophy. I've never been introduced to the history of political philosophy, and it's my job to communicate. the idea. So I I try to make it absolutely, definitely the case that nobody had to have read their Tocqueville uh, Mm -hmm. in order to understand my book. But if you've read your Tocqueville there are parts of the book that you'll understand more or more right. readily, right? Yeah. You don't want anyone to have to have read uh, any particular philosopher, but if you have it, you'll maybe you'll see more of what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I wanted to write a book for people who are into philosophy, but maybe are just being introduced to superheroes f- through the TV shows, and the movies, um, sure. but they're, they're interested in ideas and they're interested in political arguments and, uh, and, and And showing how these characters aren 't just you know popcorn juvenile amusements, but speak to fundamental questions regarding right and wrong and good and bad, and what kind of life should you try to lead, and what kinds of extraordinary people in society should you admire, and what role models should you try to emulate or give to your children for them to imitate. Uh, that comic there's you know comic book heroes have the durability that they have because they speak so well and to these fundamental questions they provide us with great raw material from which to ascend to reflections on the nature of the right and the good which is the business of political philosophy mm-hmm. uh, and and so that was sort of the attitude I took and I and 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 as the experience I have in the classroom uh you know, gave me some reason to have some confidence that it could be done, and I'm really glad to find Mike and Paul that you you found that I met some success in the product.
2: Yeah, I mean that yeah, that's I, a. I was gonna say that's a, a lot of uh, boxes to check there. A lot of audiences you're trying to reach, and I think uh, very successful in that regard. So, you know, that final point you were making about uh, the importance of superheroes, importance of pop culture. You know, I do. uh, Martha Nussbaum, the ethical philosopher, said that literature is the way that people learn to be ethical. And I think the broad range of what we consider literature, for me, would include comic books and superhero movies. So you're sort of taking up that call, and I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I was a math science kid growing up.
2: (laughs) Okay. Yeah.
1: And uh, before I made the extremely lucrative decision to study political philosophy. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Um, And... uh, I, you know, when our society is such that when you're when you have math science aptitudes, the the educational system seizes upon that, right, and focuses <laughs> you on that and pushes you in that, and again, not for bad reasons, right, right, uh, you know, but um, it, an education that's too exclusively focused on the technological aspects of life, and uh, society is uh, is an incomplete one. Uh, and uh, I, and starting in high school, I sort of came to the realization that, you know, literature, poetry, et cetera, were holes in my being that hadn't been filled. And I had to take personal responsibility to start, you know, putting some substance in there because otherwise yeah, yeah. The, it would be a deficiency or something lacking in me. And so I would, you know, you know, I started showing up to calculus class with, you know, Homer's Iliad or showing up to chemistry class with some Dostoevsky under my desk. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, not to say you know, I grasped it all on the first try. No, <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, but you, but I mean, it's absolutely no doubt that literature humanizes. I mean, it's the essence of the humanities. And 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 um, and so you know, if if people have only read their comic books and have never read their Tolstoy, I will be the preachy professor who will say, you know what, you know, find 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 a. Classics Illustrated version of Tolstoy a taste <laughs> of it and see whether or not you can go grab sure. a 1300 page copy of War and Peace someday and try to work your way through it. I mm-hmm. I, I will promise you it's worthwhile. Um, but even in the absence of doing that, if comic books um, are where we where we can start and what we love, uh, then um, I'm, I'm Socratic about this. You can start with ordinary, everyday opinions about Things that people just happen to prefer and enjoy and from there embark upon uh, a f- sort of philosophical uh, uh, activity mm-hmm. and, and yeah. that spirit uh, and, and the philosophy says uh, classical philosophy says it begins with a spirit of wonder and there's a heck of a lot of wonder in superhero stories for us to start with as raw material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely.
0: Well, I, I I don't think I could even top asking a question like that. So I think we're this is where we're going to wrap up. <laughs> uh, but thank you for for the for that fantastic uh, you know that piece of peace of mind I, I, I want to use that to everybody say there's a lot of wonder in comics I want you to start reading them so um, yeah you know, Travis thank you so much for joining us this week this has been an incredible discussion everyone out there should go read superhero ethics 10 comic book heroes 10 ways to save the world which one do we need most now um, you can get it uh, pretty much anywhere on the internet where books are sold if, if I'm not mistaken um, but you know go ahead and check that out and Travis where can people find you on the internet if they want to ask you more you know philosophical questions about their favorite favorite superheroes um where where
1: where would they find me on the internet um i don't (laughs) i don't social media Um, oh okay okay yeah um uh so uh I, i don't know i don't know what to tell people um if they if they want to uh argue with me directly um they can they can reach out to me um uh at work as it were this is part okay, of the okay, so, <laughs> sure. Um, but I, I, I I'm not, a, am not a, I'm not a tweeter, uh, so I, I, I don't have any, any place to tell your listeners to go and follow me and, and, uh, and troll me, so
0: okay well if everybody checks out the book you know that's at least the start and then you guys can send your angry emails over to me and i'll decide whether or not i i pass them along um but anyways I, again thank you so much for joining us on the show travis this has been an incredible discussion
1: thanks mike and thank you paul too
0: oh, yeah thank you uh you can you can follow me and paul on twitter uh you can follow us uh at oh hi Pauly for paul at mike rappin for me and you can follow the show at ircb podcast where i try to share as much as stuff as i possibly can and on instagram where we give away free stickers if
2: you send me a dm there you go uh this show as well as many of our subscriber only episodes are powered by fans like you on patreon if you want to sign up to become a patreon patreon Go over to patreon.com slash ircbpodcast. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate and review the show. I think five stars is a pretty fair rating. Um, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Make sure you jump on our Discord at ircbpodcast.com slash Discord to join us on our semi-weekly book club talk about animal crossing talk about anything that you really want it's a really fun time and we do some hangouts there every once in a while and make sure to tell a friend or two about the show infinity shred does all of the music for ircb we can't thank them enough they are the best band in the universe xander is a good friend a great high fiver and just a person who edits the show he's fantastic um, i want to say thank you to paul and extra special thanks to travis again for being on the show and until next time comics are good and so are you